Would you open your Bibles with me this morning to Acts chapter 20? The book of Acts and chapter 20, or however you receive your, um, your Bible scripture reading, if you would. Always encouraged and blessed to be here in your midst. Uh, Tim and your group, I always enjoy your worshipful, meaningful uh, singing uh, that you do. Always good to be here. You are, we enjoy coming here, my wife, Amanda, and I, and just um, with having family here, and you're all like family to us, and uh, you are a blessed congregation. I am just grateful for what God has done in your life. I believe God has a specific plan and purpose in the lives of the people here at Providence. And Marcus asked me if I'd share regarding ordination. And I said, yes, I'll gladly do that. So I'd like to know this morning, how many of you have never been an active part, when I say an active part, like uh, participating or voting uh, in an ordination that uh, took place? Any of you that haven't? Okay, you, uh, so yeah, uh, several of you that haven't. Well, my goal this morning is to just look at some scriptures in Acts 20. And then go to some character qualities in uh, 1 Timothy 3, and then end up in 1 Timothy 4 with some uh, ideas on doctrine, and just try to help us discern your four weeks away from an ordination. Ordination, pastoral leadership is a very important part of a congregation. And uh, my goal is to help you. Say God has given you two or three names, and you're not sure where you want to go, or maybe you're unclear. Uh, that God can help us discern through this morning of what He has and what He wants to accomplish uh, in life, in your lives here. So, Acts chapter 20. As I read the foundation, I'd like to start with one verse in verse 28 and then go back and just lay some foundation for this scripture. Acts 20, 28, the Bible says, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. That's the foundation of what we like to look at here. In Acts 19, we see Paul ministering in Ephesus. He was on his third missionary journey. He knew that he was almost at the end of his life. The year was probably in the early 60s. And uh, Paul lived till like the mid-60s, maybe 65 or 66. So he knew that his life and his, his work on earth was drawing to a close. Um, if you can't get it here. And then he says that he traveled and stayed there for three months. And I find it interesting. In verse 4, it says that there were some people with him. Aristarchus, we read of him in the New Testament. Uh, Gaius. Timothy and Tychicus and Trophimus, those were people that surrounded Paul. But Luke and Timothy spend a lot of time with Paul during his journeys. But Timothy was with him, and we're going to conclude with looking at the book of Timothy. So Paul is not only saying some things to Timothy near the end of his life that we're going to look at later, but he's also taking him with him and demonstrating to him what he wants Timothy to accomplish in his life as a minister, as a pastor. So, we get to chapter 20. Verse 7 says, On the first day of the week, 
they were coming together, and that's when Paul preached that long message that lasted until midnight. And during that time, somebody fell out of the window and died. You've heard that story, children. Do you know that somebody preached? Chris doesn't preach like that, does he? Or Marcus? He preached so long that somebody fell out of the window because he fell asleep. You know what Paul did? He went down and he touched him and he healed him and he rose back up from the dead. A miraculous story. But what we want to get to is verse 17. From Miletus, he sent Ephesus to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. David, give me a signal once you have that behind me. Uh, that way I can go from there. Um, he sent to Ephesus, called for the elders of the church, and when they had come to him, so he asked the elders, who are the elders here? How is the word, the term elder used in Scripture? How is the term pastor used? How is the term bishop used and deacon in Scripture? We'd like to look at some of those things real soon here. But it says that they were serving the Lord with all humility in verse 19. He kept nothing back. He taught them. He testified to the Jews. What was his message in chapter, in verse 21? His message was repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. That was the purpose of his message. So, as I think of that, let me just tell you a few stories that when we think of a pastor, that's the calling on a pastor's life. Charles Spurgeon said, an average church is filled with many people doing many jobs, but a great church is filled with people who are all involved in ministry together. You exemplified that on Friday night. Um, we had something else going, but we came toward the end of your, um, your festival here, and uh, we could hardly find a place to park. We arrived like at 7.30 here. It was so full out here. But you were all pulling together. And the reason I use that as an illustration is because as you think about ordaining and choosing a leader, you're all in this together. Because the way that we believe, which we'll speak about a little bit at the end here, that the, the, the New Testament instructs us is to, to take a voice of the church, and then if more than one person uh, is qualified or that the church sees qualified, that you would, we use the, the, the use of the lot to discern who God has if there's two, three, or four candidates to discern that. So you're all in it together. Hudson Taylor said, all God's great men are wise men doing the work of the Lord because they believe God works through them and they rely on God's power, which is the work of the Holy Spirit. Philip Brooks says, don't pray for tasks equal to your power, but pray for power equal to the task assigned to us. So that's what, uh, that's what various men say when they think about ministry. Uh, as you were, as the men were up here uh, sharing about the work that you did working together, I thought of a story that for some reason just grabbed me and I never forgot uh, about a man that was driving down the road and he got stuck. And he walked to his neighbor to see if he had a tractor to pull him out. He said, well, my tractor's not working right now but I have old blue. He said, who's blue? 
He said, it's my horse. He said, oh, I'm really stuck bad. Blue can't pull this thing out when he showed him his horse. And he said, watch what he can do. So he took Blue, and he noticed that he didn't know how to walk or wasn't walking properly, but he helped him along the way, and he got there, and he hitched him up to his vehicle and uh, tried to pull him out. And then when he was ready to pull him out, he said, come on, Bill. Come on, Dick. Come on, Blue. Pull, Blue. Pull, Dick. And he said all these other names. And he said, what's going on? And all of a sudden, Blue just pulled that vehicle out of the ditch where he was at. And he said, now, what's going on? Why did you say all these other names? He said, well, you see, old Blue, he's blind. And if he thinks he has some other horses helping him, he's got a lot more strength. And he can accomplish a lot more. Now, I don't want to compare you to all the, that, but the object of the story there is we're all in it together. We're all needed. Old Blue thought he had help helping him, and then he could accomplish a lot more. You as a team, look what you could have accomplished if one person would have tried to accomplish what you did on Friday night. But you were all in it together. Uh, most of you were working. You had a lot of guests here. And that's the way it is in church life. That it is, that's the way it is in, for pastors and leaders and elders and ministry people who are in it together. We're all in this together, is what we're saying. David, are you making any progress there? No. <clears throat> I am so sorry to say, but I have my whole message on that PowerPoint, and it was working this morning. So, Lord Jesus, right now we just commit uh, electronic systems to you. Uh, we need your help. Um, Whatever you want us to accomplish today, we commit to you. Uh, give David wisdom and skill to um, assist us with this electronic equipment that we often come to depend on. So we commit this moment to you, asking for your help, trusting in prayer and believing in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll see once where God wants us to go if this doesn't work here, but... Um, that's the unfortunate thing when you put everything on there and depend on that. Um, but let's turn to 1 Timothy, uh, where I'd like to just look at, at some qualifications in chapter 3 of 1 Timothy and, and see once what we can accomplish here by looking at this. The Bible says, This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, and bishop is used interchangeably with pastor and elder in this portion of Scripture. The Bible says that if he desires that position, he desires a good work. A bishop or a pastor must then be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetousness, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, being puffed up with pride, lest being puffed up with pride, he falls into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach, reproach and snare of Satan. And then he goes on and speaks about qualifications of a deacon beyond that.
<clears throat> hey, David, I just have an idea. Why don't you just shut my PowerPoint down because it came right on this morning uh, and then turn that on again? You want to try that? It's, it was in the most recent saved is where I found it this morning. Katasha, if you're still around there, would you see if you can do that? Because uh, would you assist him? Um, strange thing is it popped right up this morning. Now it doesn't, so. So basically, what I'd like to share the rest of the time here is how elder, the word elder, deacon, bishop, how those words are used interchangeably. And then look at qualifications, and then also look at, once this starts working here, work at, look at how different governments are structured, and then look at how we as God's people can go about discerning with the Lord's help, with the help of the Holy Spirit, what we can accomplish uh, as we work together and as in four weeks from now, I'm not even sure. We're going to be in Florida, so we won't be around. But as you possibly have, take the voice of the church, maybe a week earlier or half a week earlier. And then typically we would interview people and, um, <clears throat> and make sure that they are in accordance to where, where we go, where we stand, and what God has uh, for us in that way. Well, um, as you well know, after preaching about 20 years or so, I depend on notes, and that's about the only way I preach, just to keep me on target. So in the next 12 minutes, we're going to try to go through these slides pretty fast, and I'll stand here because I will, because I can't see my screen like I'm used to, so I'll have to stand here. But in Acts 20, basically what I wanted to show you is the word elder is used, and the, their primary purpose was to serve the Lord in humility. That should be the work of a pastor. His main, his object should be to testify of repentance and faith. And then, I believe we as pastors, Pastor Marcus, Pastor Chris, and the new pastor here, will have to recognize that we receive a ministry from Christ Jesus. Not from human hands. But we believe that this work is a work that the Lord takes out of the hands of humans and places into His hands. And then we also need to acknowledge it that it's the Holy Spirit who does the work in us or in that work. So we have three categories. There are elders, there are bishops, and there are pastors. I won't spend a lot of time on here, but there's a scripture reference for us. The primary work of an elder is what he is. He administrates, he organizes. Uh, what he does, he oversees a congregation. He guards over a congregation. He looks out for their best interests, watches over it, and he serves. And lastly, his actions and attitudes. He shepherds, he cares, protects, guides, feeds, and he tends the flocks. So as you think about selecting a servant from this congregation and giving a name of who you think would do a good job pastoring and helping shepherd this flock. Think of those qualifications, those responsibilities. Primary responsibilities of a pastor are to shepherd, to oversee, 
to preach God's word, to lead as an example, and to be a servant leader. Qualifications in Timothy. If you'll notice where I started reading in 1 Timothy 3, I won't go back to the Bible for that, but if you look at that, the verses 2 and 3 have to do with the pastor's inner life. That's where it starts. That's the most important thing. Secondly, verses 4 and 5 about his home life. And then thirdly, we go to his church life. And lastly, those who are without, those who are unsaved is what it's referring to. So, that list that I read, there's a few definitions that go with that. Blameless, a person who's not perfect, but responsible for his action. Husband of one wife. I didn't even put a definition there because I believe we know what that means. And I have all kinds of respect for ladies. And I believe ladies, women have a place in the church. And they have the right to speak and even to minister and preach to other women. But I personally believe that the Bible doesn't authorize women to preach to men. Or, I think he's also saying, you know, the, the whole culture uh, of uh, same-sex marriage and all that, that th- blows all of that out of the water as well. Being vigilant, being sober, of good behavior, given, tendency to have hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, and in their culture, uh, you know, wine was used in a respectable way in their biblical culture, but not in the way that alcohol is driven today. And then the last half of those qualifications, uh, there's, goes through number 17, not greedy for money. Patient, not a broiler, not covetous, rules well his own house, children in subjection, not a novice, and of good report towards them who are without. Then it says, likewise, their wives should be reverent, not slanderers, well-tempered, and faithful in all things as well. Now, government of a church, talking a little bit more about the practical side of... Um, of um, Chris, where do you aim this thing to try to get this thing to move? Okay, there we go. There are five different types of churches that we might be familiar with. We fall into one of those categories. Which one do we as Anabaptist, uh, Bible-believing people fall into? We operate by the fourth one, the congregational method. That's why we believe as believers and followers of Jesus, that we should determine together and discern what the will of God is as far as when we should choose another leader and also who we should choose to be that leader. Um, And then as we think about some practical ways, I like like, um, to read a psalm every day that goes with the day, like I, I start in Psalm 1 through 30, and I read, have a way of reading through Psalm, but Proverbs is also very helpful. Yesterday was the 16th day. So I was reading in Proverbs, and I couldn't help but notice, we should make plans, but the final outcome is in God's hands, is what the Bible says. 
And that's what we're doing here. And then the last verse in Proverbs says, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision. The whole disposing is from the Lord. And chapter 18 talks about the fact that casting lots causes contentions to cease. Acts 1, we see that the disciples were together. They prayed. They said, show us which one of these you have chosen to take part in this ministry. And they cast their lots. And that's the biblical example and model that we use today. Several verses. The Bible says, he's seeking for a man, a family, a man and woman among them to make up the hedge to stand in the gap before me on behalf of the Lord. First Chronicles 16.9 The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is fully committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. So those are some things that I just want to share with you that I have learned, that I believe in, that have helped me in discerning where do we go? What is God's plan for our life? And I trust if we cry out to God and ask Him for His Holy Spirit discernment, wisdom that God will help you in that way. Abraham Lincoln was a man that lived more than 100 years ago. In 1860, slavery gripped this nation. And I became really aware of that. This spring, we had the privilege to travel from uh, New Orleans to um, through Tennessee on a river cruise. And I read the story again of how Abraham Lincoln had sailed down that river. And when he came to New Orleans, he saw something, and he said, a hatred welled up within me. And he said, I'm going to do something about that. You know what that was? He watched as free people, supposedly free people, got up on an auction block and they sold them to the highest bidder, kind of like an animal. And this is, these were his words in his book, um, Man of Steel and Velvet. He says, a hatred stirred up within me and I said, I'll do something about it. And then he said, as the, the winter cold winds blew, the people insisted, I insisted that the Mississippi is one river. It's not one river for the colored folks and one river for the north, the north, the north versus the south. And then he said, it's strange that I, a man who could not even cut off the head of a chicken when I was young, that God chose me to lead a country through the worst pain and the worst bloodshed that we have ever faced as a nation. And then he said, we can withstand pressure from without, but we can't withstand the pressure from within. And the reason I, say, I want to say this, I read that story to you, is because maybe you need a man here who says, you know, this is our situation here in this church. I'm going to rise up and I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to help this team Build the church into what God wants it to be. Abraham Lincoln was a very unlikely candidate to become president of the United States, but God chose him.
because he had a plan and purpose. And as you're sitting here today under the sound of my voice, God has a plan and purpose for all of us. We're all needed. We're all in this together. But if you discern together that this is the right time to have an ordination, God will honor your discernment. God will help you through this process. And God will say, okay, Providence Christian Fellowship discerned this is the right time. So I'm going to help them discern who is the right couple, who's the right family that fits into this specific role for this need in November of 2021. And we don't have to fear. We can move forward in confidence, like our Sunday school lesson was today, that God is going to be in the midst of this, and he will, we can have the assurance that he's going to help us, and he will give clear guidance to this. So, in spite of electronics not working properly, going halfway through without it, I hope that you can still learn something from this and say, you know, this is another step in the right direction towards the ordination that we're facing for November 2021. And our prayers will be with you in this journey. Let's bow our heads to pray. Dear God, this congregation has been a blessing in this community, first in Fredericksburg, and then north of Berlin, and now in Charm. We believe they're here. You've called these people together to be here for such a time like this. And I believe you're raising up somebody from within this congregation to serve as an assistant pastor to both Brother Marcus and uh, Pastor Chris as well. Prepare their hearts. Prepare the hearts of the people who will give a voice in this way, God. Dismiss us with your blessing. Go with us this week. Help us to serve Jesus Christ with all our heart, all our life, and all our spirit in everything we do this week. Thank you for this gathering. And I want to say thank you for allowing this electronic equipment to work yet. Bless us as we go from here. In Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. Amen. You can stand. And you are dismissed unless you have something else, Tim. You sang your song. Chris, do you have something else? Okay. Thanks for being a good audience.